How are we doing, Jets fans? I'm Glenn Norton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Be sure to log into JetNation.com where you can register and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. I'm joined today, as always, by Chris Schubert. Dylan will not be with us. He's taken a step back for a few weeks, and uh, but he is still going to be contributing. In fact, if you go to JetNation.com right now on the front page, Dylan put up a great piece uh, breaking down some of the numbers behind the Jets offense and the the approach being taken by current offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who we will discuss. And we're going to cover a ton of topics tonight because you know what? There's a lot going on. And I didn't feel like rehashing the New England loss because it's Thursday and we've been doing that in our heads for days now. There's not a ton to talk about with Kansas City. That's a loss. Spoiler alert. So not a ton to go over there. A couple things to touch on that are worth worth going over. But right now, really, let's start with the the thing that everyone is talking about and it has to be talked about. How much we talk about depends on, you know, how much you want to go into it, Chris. But the situation at QB2, right? We've, you know, I've, I've said it a million. I've, I'm, I'm done saying it. The time to do this was months ago. I said my, people, a lot of people got mad at me because I said this team couldn't be taken seriously if they entered the season as Super Bowl hopefuls with Zach Wilson as their second quarterback. They did it anyway. There were options. There was Minshew. There was Bridgewater. There was Andy Dalton. All guys who would have been upgrades. The plan should have been for Zach Wilson to not play a single snap this year. Um, yes, he, there was some incremental progress we saw from Zach early on, but he still had to show a lot more. He hasn't. He's been a disaster. Quarterback two, it's now Simeon. Hooray. You know, um, but w- what are your thoughts here, Chris? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm done talking about it, but it's got to be talked about. Yeah, there's there are a lot of layers to this onion, and it really depends on how you individually as a Jets fan choose to look at it. Because I know that there are a pocket of Jets fans that believe that anything, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, uh, Carson Wentz, it was a name that was thrown out there, that anybody would be an upgrade over Zach Wilson. And so the Jets had to do something just to show that they weren't completely casting away the season on the growth, I put in air quotes, of Zach Wilson taking place over the remainder of the season. So they did that. The guy they went out and got was Trevor Simeon, who wasn't on a practice squad somewhere practicing with, with the team, was sitting at home, not doing anything. And everyone can point at me the 12 touchdowns and four interceptions that he's had over the last two seasons. To me, this is th- there is not that much of a difference between what Trevor Simeon is going to be able to provide the New York Jets in terms of quarterback play. It is going to lead to meaningful results for the New York Jets than what Zach Wilson is going to provide. Two things can be true at the same time, Glenn. I think there's a lot of Jets fans that are having a real tough time equating these two things. Trevor Simeon can be better than the quarterback play that Zach Wilson is giving the New York Jets, yet that quarterback play wouldn't change where the Jets stand. I know there are a lot of people out there that think that if Trevor Simeon is playing quarterback for the New York Jets this past Sunday against the New England Patriots, that they win that football game. I'm not there. And and I will give I will give everybody a history lesson, and you don't have to go that far back into the history books to see this, because I remember I'm old enough to remember just one short season ago in 2022 when Zach Wilson wasn't playing very well. Offensive line was starting to get shuffled around in the middle of the season. Brees Hall got hurt. They couldn't find a running game. They had Garrett Wilson as a rookie. They, they were still trying to gel as an offense, and Zach Wilson was struggling. And this coaching staff, which is now defending Zach Wilson to an extreme that we've never seen before. Last year, they benched the kid. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point here in the show. But everybody was clamoring for Mike White to play. Mike White, Mike White, Mike White. Mike White's got to play. He's the answer. He's the guy that's going to be able to salvage this season. The Jets are going to be able to play good enough defense. They're going to be able to get decent enough quarterback play because Mike White's going to be better than Zach Wilson. Do you know what the Jets' record was in the four games that Mike White started for the New York Jets a year ago? They were 1-3. and They beat the Bears in his first start, and then they lost his next three starts. 
So I'm sorry. I've seen this movie. I'm living a sequel. I've seen the movie of the Jets making a quarterback change. And I'm sorry, Glenn. You tell me if you disagree with this. I think Mike White's a better quarterback than Trevor Simeon. So I am not all of a sudden going to throw a parade and throw a party and say, oh, the Jets would be 2-1 and one if they had Trevor Simeon. The season's not over. They can still salvage this. For me, Glenn, the season is over. What this team was supposed to be this season ended four plays into the season when Aaron Rodgers snapped his Achilles. That's okay. That happens. I gave you this example in the pre-show, and I'm not wishing for this injury, but I'm just using it as an extreme example because it's the team that the Jets play on Sunday. If Patrick Mahomes tore his ACL in the game on Sunday and wasn't able to play for the remainder of the season, the Chiefs season would be over, and Chiefs fans would understand that. We don't have our difference maker. We don't have our guy. The Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers. You can't Houdini your way out of this. There is no magic elixir. And all the quarterbacks that I heard for weeks being talked about, oh, just go get Jameis Winston. Well, guess what? He's needed in New Orleans. That's why they were never going to trade him. Oh, just go get Gardner Minshew. Guess what? Anthony Richardson just got back from concussion protocol this week. They need him. Oh, just trade for Taylor Heineke. Have you seen the way Desmond Ritter's playing right now? They might need to make a quarterback change to salvage their season. Oh, just trade for Jacoby Brissett. Okay, things aren't going that great in Washington. They're still trying to figure things out. Sam Howell's a running quarterback. There's a chance for him to get hurt. There is no viable option. There is no magical phone call that Joe Douglas can make. So this is the this is the decision that they made. They went with Trevor Simeon. They probably did it too late. They probably should have been on the phone September 12th trying to figure this out, but they didn't. So Trevor's not going to play this week. If he is going to draw into the lineup, it is going to be next week. But please stop with the narrative that Trevor Simeon coming in for Zach Wilson is going to be this magic elixir that is going to save the season. Could they get better quarterback play? Yes. They got better quarterback play from Mike White last season, and they went one in three in those games. If you don't have a difference maker at quarterback, if you don't have a top 20 quarterback, you're not going to win. Trevor Simeon is not a top 20 quarterback. He's probably not even a top 32 quarterback. Sorry, I went a little long-winded there, but there's there's my there's my Trevor Simeon take for everybody this week. Look, it, it, it's the reality of it, you know, and and Simeon, you look at his numbers statistically, he he could be an upgrade over Zach Wilson, but even if he wins, you know, even if you were to put him under center, okay, say say you win six or seven games, you, you know, he's not winning you 10, and that's probably, you probably need 11 wins to make the playoffs. You're not winning 10 games with Trevor Simeon. I had them winning 10 games and missing the playoffs when we did our projections with Aaron Rodgers. You yeah. think this team is going to find a way to get to 10 wins without Aaron Rodgers? It'd be only two. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I'm, I'd welcome it. I'd welcome sure. a Cinderella run that none of us saw coming. I'll be right. I don't for see it. you coming. And can I tell, can I tell everybody, I think that this is going to be the news that's going to bother everybody, but this is my, and maybe this is a hot take from me. I think the addition of Trevor Simeon further reinforces that's what Zach Wilson's going to be the starter than the, longer than people think he's going to be. That that's it's I go back and forth on that. I I don't know how long you can start him if he keeps putting up one touchdown. If 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 Rich Samini and, and other guys on the beat are saying that the defensive guys in the locker room are already you're like, hey man, we're giving up 13 points and you're telling us you're telling the world that it's not this kid's fault we didn't win. Like how many weeks can you do that? You know, so I see what you're saying because I think they want to stick with him as long as they can. But if he keeps putting up one touchdown per game, that's not going to happen. So let, let's let's let that drive us into our next topic in terms of Zach Wilson's play. Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala um, mainly focus on on Hackett, but Sala is saying some of the same things. And I said this last week when they lost to the Cowboys, and I and I hate saying it because Adam Gase is probably my least favorite. I, I despise Adam Gase more than I despise Rich Kotite. Wow. I thought I thought Rich Kotite was just dumb. 
Whereas Adam Gase was dumb and cocky. Like he thought he was really good and, and he wasn't at all. Um, but Robert Sala's answers and now Nathaniel Hackett's answers as to why different guys aren't playing are right out of the Adam Gase, you know, the Adam Gase's script. Um, we, we didn't get far enough into the playbook. The, 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 the way the game unfolded didn't allow it. You're, you're calling the plays. The game unfolds based on how you call plays. And I said this, I, would, I did Scott Mason's show earlier today, and then I saw Damian Woody say the same exact thing. You know, even with the Dallas game, they said, oh, the game got out of hand. It, it got out of hand, but it was, it was, they were within reach for most of that game. It's not like yeah. it was 30 to 10 early 18, in the second quarter. It was 18-10 coming out of halftime. The Jets they had the ball with game. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and they're acting like they were down 40 to nothing at kickoff. Like, play these guys. Oh, it, it's always third and long. Play them on first down. Play them on second down. And, and listen, may, may, maybe we have to accept Maybe Miko Hardman just isn't good. Like, that's a possibility. But, Jesus, can he not bring what Randall Cobb brings, which is 43 snaps and, what, one catch? Yeah. So th- there's a lot to this. There's a, there, there are so many layers to this onion that just go beyond. And I'm not trying to excuse. And, and this is coming from somebody who, and I've said this on the show, I think, plenty of times, Glenn. You'll vouch for this. I have been a Zach Wilson defender. I wanted the Jets to draft him number two overall. I was excited about his first two seasons. So I am coming at this from a place of I have turned and I understand Zach ain't in anymore. And I am not trying to say that that Zach Wilson is playing well enough for the Jets to win. He flat out needs to be better, right? That can be true. And all of the following statements that I'm about to say can also be true. So let's just get that out in the open. That I, This is not a cover for Zach Wilson. Zach needs to play better. But when 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 Nathaniel Hackett was hired, there were a lot of people, myself included, that kind of raised their hand and said, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is the guy that's going to reorganize this? That's the guy that's going to reorganize this offense? Because you go go look at places where he's been the primary play caller. Don't look at the two years where Aaron Rodgers went back-to-back MVPs when LaFleur was the primary play caller. Oh, yes, Nathaniel Hackett organized and put together the game plan during the week in the game, in the heat of the moment, needing to make adjustments on the fly and needing to call plays in certain spots and dialing up aggressiveness and you know maybe toning it back in key spots, that was LaFleur. And the years that Hackett had success, Jacksonville with Blake Bortles, maybe one of those two years in Buffalo where he was the primary play caller, they had a decent running game. And the Jets don't have that right now. They don't have a decent running game for a, a myriad of different reasons. But you can't tell me that Jeremy Ruckert would give the Jets worse play than what C.J. Ozoma is giving them in the run blocking game. You can't tell me that Mikel Hardman can't provide more value into the the run blocking, into the pass catching, into the explosive play department than Randall Cobb. And I'm sorry, Glenn, that falls on Salah. You go up to the podium after the game and say, yeah, it's inexcusable that Jeremy Ruckert's only playing one snap. That's something we're going to address. And then you you go out there and he doesn't play. That's coaching. Robert Salah, you're the head coach of the football team. You can make those decisions. You can go to Nathaniel Hackett and say, we got to play this kid more. Yep. We got to play Michael Harmer more. We got to figure something out. And Zach isn't playing well. And I've seen all of the, the images and the all 22 breakdowns of Zach just not looking at wide open players. And Zach's got to be able to flip that switch and throw. But I am going to sit up here on this podcast and say something that I've seen Dan Orlovsky say within the past couple of days. And it's something that I truly believe. And I've said it behind closed doors to a bunch of different people. And this, you you may spin this, and this is the collective view. You may spin this and say that that means Zach is mentally weak, and you might be correct. I don't know Zach. I don't sit in the film room with him. I don't know how he practices. I don't know how he operates. But you have drilled it into this kid's head 
that you can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake. And you play call Nathaniel Hackett. Like we can't make a mistake. We can't make a mistake. We can't make a mistake. Well, that's how you get a stat line. You get on Sunday. That's how on fourth down with the game on the line, we're checking it down to the tight end. That's how early in the first half, when we've got an open Garrett Wilson to beat cover two, we're just very quickly three-step hitch and we're throwing it to the check down. Orlovsky did a great breakdown of that clip on Twitter this week. So again, Zach's got to play better. Zach has to have the confidence to be able to let it rip. But you have drilled it into this kid's head that you cannot make a mistake. Glenn, I would rather go down in a blaze of glory on Sunday. I would rather throw the ball 35 times and let Zach just rip it than to do what we've been doing the last couple of weeks as a football team. Because you, you've boxed your team in. You, you've boxed in the philosophy. Teams are going to stack the box against you. They're going to dare you to pass it. And you're going to get to third and six plus, And you're going to say, Zach, just don't throw a pick. Let's play the field position game. And he's going to check it down for three yards. You're going to punt. And you're going to ask your defense to be on the field a bunch during the game. That's the game plan that Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala, and the Jets are putting together. Now, are they doing that because they don't believe in the quarterback? Then play Tim Boyle. If you don't believe in your quarterback, then play Tim Boyle. But you heap all this praise on him in the press conference. All much to a fault. You go beyond where you need to go, right? And that's the confusing part for me. Robert Sala can heap the praise to keep the confidence of Zach Wilson up without going to the levels that he's going to. But he's going so extreme. He's going so far. So if you have that confidence in him, then open up the playbook. Do more stuff. And so for me, I just, I, 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 I waver back and forth on how I think this team feels about their quarterback. Cause I just don't know because you, you heap all this praise on him in the press conference and yet you go out there and you, you just, you call plays that you're just, you're just asking your team to just go three and out punt and just play defense. Because well, the first thing Robert Sala said, the first thing Robert Sala said in the post game after new England was, it wasn't Zach's fault. We had an opportunity one score to win the game, ball at midfield, a minute and two timeouts or whatever it was to go win the football game. It's the first thing he mentioned that that's the way they want him to play. I'm not surprised that a defensive minded head coach wants his quarterback to play it that way. He said it this week. There's never too, there's never too boring. I want my quarterbacks to be extra boring. You don't, if you think that's what they're saying in front of microphones, what are they telling him behind closed doors? They're telling him to check it down. They're telling him to not make mistakes. And yes, is he missing wide open receivers? Yes. Does he need to have the confidence to be able to rip it? Absolutely. But in that New England game, in the second half, he shows that confidence. It's just, I don't think they're asking him to do it enough. It is just a completely messed up situation. And they are, I don't know if they know which way is up and which way is down right now. Truly behind the scenes coaching. I really don't. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's, to hear you say that, it, it really is, for, for those Jets fans, you know, who were around for the Herm Edwards years, um, Herm Edwards famously said, you know, punting is a good thing um, because he was a defensive-minded head coach and he had an offensive coordinator named Paul Hackett who Jets fans sat through and watched and ripped their hair out as the Jets, it was it was field position game. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. It was about field position and let's beat everybody three to nothing. Let's, let's try to win nine, six this week, guys. And th they were just happy, three and out, three and out, pick up a couple yards, punt it, three and out. And they, they, that was their game. And mm -hmm. that didn't work anymore back then. That was an archaic way of doing things 20 years ago. And now we have an, another Hackett and another defensive-minded head coach saying, let's punt it. We love to punt. But, you know, one thing you, you said, and this was going to be one of the questions, so I'll jump to this one. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in first on this one. Will Zach let it rip on Sunday? Will he say, you know what? My, my job's on the line. Legitimately, they've brought in a guy who will replace me if I don't play well. I'm going to play my game. 
be you know whatever the coaches say be damned and maybe the coach will say maybe they'll say look dude this is your last shot make it make it work but um my concern is that it has been drilled into his head so much that he won't like and and i tweeted this a couple days ago that there's that part of me that says that this is it kid like your back's against the wall you got to do it now his back's been against the wall for a year plus yep i've the number of times i've said to myself this Sunday is it. This kid's got to show he can make some big-time throws today. He's got to let it rip. Like, okay, this is, you know, will Zach let it rip on Sunday? Part 17. And the first 16 parts went the same way. I, I, I literally can't believe we're sitting here watching this team do the same exact thing they did last year and, and, just, and just think, let's just go out and get four yards at a time and just hope at some point someone breaks a tackle and scores and we win 10-7. Like, I uh, and I'm I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not being. I, I genuinely was sitting there thinking about this today, and 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 thinking about how Zach looks so much different now than he did even in his first NFL game, where he threw the ball down the field a little bit, you know. And I'm like, I can't remember. I'm gonna have to go back and watch some games. I can't remember how bad he was when he was throwing the ball downfield because he just doesn't do it anymore. And I'm I'm literally going, was he really that bad that they had to look at him and say? This guy can't throw a deep ball for another three years unless we, it's a Hail Mary. Do we like, remember the, the Tennessee game in his rookie season? Rolling out this, to the right side. This is what I mean. His he hips, showed throwing flashes. the ball down the field to Corey Davis. Like, you, this is, how this does is, a guy get better by saying we're going to cut off two-thirds of the field? Like, right, you're struggling, and, so now we're going to keep everything 15 yards and in for the next year and a half. And this is this comment here by Simply Awesome is what I'm getting at. Because there are a lot of people that will push back when I say that the play calling needs to yes, be better. And, then, and, they'll, awesome. and they'll point to the, these, these plays and they'll be like, there are guys open for Zach. There are guys open for Zach. Yes. But the two things that Zach has, the two things that are unquestioned about Zach are he's got arm talent and he's got mobility. Those are the two things that every single time I hear somebody talk about Zach Wilson, and trust me, I consume a lot of content about the New York Jets on a daily basis. The amount of stuff and information that I've consumed listening to everybody talk about this. I've been listening to the WFAN and to hear what Tiki Barber or uh, yeah, Tiki Barber has to say, what Boomer Siason has to say. I'm listening to ESPN and Get Up every day. I was listening to Rich Shimini's podcast, Dan Orlovsky breakdowns. I'm listening to it all to see if somebody is saying something different about this. But the thing you hear all the time is he's got mobility and he's got arm talent. Simply Awesome talks about it in the chat. They got to get him out of the pocket and get him in play action scenarios. Give me some RPOs where I can have some design quarterback runs. It's what everybody in Chicago is clamoring for them to do with Justin Fields. They don't do enough design runs. Not to say that Zach Wilson could be Justin Fields, but let's move, let's, let's move these defensive players around. Let's run some RPOs. Let's run some bootlegs. Let's run some, some, some quick screen games. Let's do some things to get his platform moved to where he can show off that arm talent. If you're gonna, if you're not gonna do that, and you're gonna force him to run this offense, then play Tim Boyle. If you are, if you don't feel confident enough to completely unleash Zach Wilson, and good, bad, or indifferent, if he throws six interceptions, if he fumbles the ball three times, if he gets sacked a bunch, if you are not willing to just lay it all out there on Sunday against the Chiefs, then don't play him. Don't play him. And again, am I gonna be upset if he throws six picks? Yeah. But I'd much rather see a kid that feels like he can make every throw on the field and attempt to make every throw on the field and and just go down trying to make big plays than to do whatever it is we've seen for the last couple of weeks. And well, so yeah, I they this, need I to, can't they remember need... if it was I can't remember if it was our show or if, or if it was with Scott with play like a jet, but I said the other day that, you know, 
it's like the old baseball adage, right? Like, like don't get beat on your second best pitch. Like, big spot, go with what works. Go yep. with what got you there. And and if it doesn't work, fine. But you know that you got beat doing what you do best. Mm-hmm. And and with the Jets, you know, I almost feel like, Chris, because I hear you say it all the time, and I say it all the time, the whole two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. I almost felt, the other day I thought, I feel like we're going to have to start calling the show two things can be same can be true at the same time because as you said zach wilson has been bad and and awful. Listen, awful. I, I love them i wanted him at a byu i've you know a lot of people have been upset that i've pointed out the the incremental progress he has made because there has been some things he's done better and that's upset a lot of people but i don't care but he he can have improved and still not be good enough which is right. the case so so he, he's got to sit you know if he doesn't play better but but the way the way he, the way they have to approach this game on Sunday is, is let him be him and just say, you know what, kid, go out there and, and play your game. But it, it feels like, and other teams do it. We see it all the time. Guys get drafted for being one thing, and teams are like, we're going to make you something else. And then they fail, and they're like, oh, man, what went wrong here? Well, you you took away the things he does best. You, took, you, you looked at the tools that got him drafted and said, we're not going to have you do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's unbelievable. It's I, almost I, like... Not only do they not do it, they do it so little. It's almost like they've made a conscious effort to say, we are not having this kid roll out. We're not moving the pocket. We're not going to have him throw on the run and make plays with his legs. Because they're, it's, it's, it's mad. And if they're, do, if they're doing that, it means they're afraid that he's going to throw the boneheaded interception. It means they're afraid that he is going to fumble the ball or not make the right decision. And if that's the case, if you are not willing to do that, then play Tim Boyle. Yeah. Right? It, it, that's what it boils down to. Just play Tim Boyle. And, and I, 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 I I sit up here and I go, okay, this is what I would do, right? And I and I think it was, I think it was Marcus Spears on Get Up yesterday that I heard say this. I would it, I would get fifteen plays that are all designed to just go to Garrett Wilson, and I would just jam it to to Garrett Wilson. And I don't care, tight coverage, just get the ball to Garrett Wilson. If you throw two picks in the process, so be it. Get the we saw it work in Dallas. They ran a play action. He hit him in stride, threw a great ball, threw it right where it needed to be so that Garrett could keep running, and he scored a touchdown. So it's there. They've got the plays in the playbook. Just do that. And so, listen, I don't know what you have else on your big list of questions, right? So I'm going to take us in a direction, and if it's one of your questions, I'm sure you'll throw it up there. If not, we'll just go in this this direction. There is such a big willingness – to replace Zach Wilson because the quarterback play needs to be better. People are clamoring for Tim Boyle to play. People are, are clamoring for Trevor Simeon to play once he has uh, up to speed. And people are talking about the Denver revenge game next week uh, that he could <laughs> potentially play in, right? And the reason why they're clamoring for this is because they're afraid of the locker room being lost. They're afraid of there being a revolt in the locker room. They're afraid of, you know, players on offense. We saw it with Garrett Wilson and Michael Carter. You're, you know, the defense potentially getting upset that, hey, we're doing our job. We hold New England to 13 points and we still lose, right? Truly, I asked this question. It's not rhetorical. This is a conversation starter because I want to know what everybody else feels about this. If Trevor Simeon plays, they're going to struggle probably pretty similarly, and they're probably not going to win a lot of games. Aren't the same feelings going to be there if they continue to lose and this season goes down the tubes and it's a waste? Like if they if they lose and they're 1-5 and five at the bye and Trevor plays the next two games. He plays against Denver and he plays against Philadelphia and they go to the bye. And let's say they they come out of the bye and they lose it. They lose to the Giants, which would be just people would freak out. And they're one and six. You don't think those same feelings are going to be there no matter who the starting quarterback's going to be? Because I certainly do. They're going to think they're going to think they threw a season down the drain. And that's that really that 
that's why the QB two thing is so is so was so hard for me to 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 digest that they were taking the approach that they did because that's that's the position you're leaving yourself in if what happens happened right if if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt so they they took that risk it blew up in their faces and um and speaking let, let's touch on that there, here's something I want to talk about Chris because you and I both um I, I felt like we took a, a fair bit of heat. Um, immediately following the draft, I like okay. I like the class more than you did personnel wise. I think Izzy Bandicana still can't be a can't be a healthy active on Sundays. The point that you and I agreed on after the draft, regardless of how we felt about the players, is that Joe Douglas treated this draft like he was coming off of a Super Bowl win and yeah. he was just reloading mm-hmm. and didn't need any new starters or any new players. And we looked at the Will McDonald pick and said, "Good player." But why not Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy who's going to play 70% of your snaps and contribute a lot right away? And people are looking at it. Don't talk to me about Jackson Smith and Jigba's box score right now. He He's getting open. He's creating more separation than 99% of the receivers in the NFL. He's not getting the ball because there's a million weapons on that team. So as the rookie, he's not seeing the ball a lot. He would be with this team. Well, who knows anyway with, with this coaching staff. But again, you know, the Tipman pick, he's on the field now. So, you know, I liked that pick at the time. I didn't know. I went back and forth whether or not I believed the Jets weren't going to start him right away. Now, due to injury, Joe Tipman is on the field, so he's playing. But then you go out, you know, when, when we hadn't done the show for a few weeks and I jumped on, the first thing you asked me was, how does Dalvin Cook affect Izzy Abanacanda? That was my favorite pick in the class. You now added a guy that made Izzy Abanacanda a guy who's going to sit on the bench every Sunday. Zaire Barnes is an active every Sunday, as he should be. He's not ready. Zach Koontz is on the practice squad. Like, you know, Carter Warren, Carter Warren could be a factor later on. I think he well, can Mc- find his way onto the field. Well, McDonald was inactive in week two. Yeah, I, yeah, and and when he when he's active, he plays a dozen snaps. You can't tell me you cannot look at this pass rush, and I'm not calling out the defense. They've been excellent. They have kept this team in games. But you can't talk about your big bad pass rush rotation and not put up the and and have the production numbers that this group currently has. And so you can't tell me that we can't find more snaps for the guy that we went out of our way to draft in the first round instead of taking an offensive tackle. Because if he's not ready to contribute, if he's not ready to help be a part of a pass rush rotation that's having a tough time knocking the quarterback down right now, then we got to ask some questions about Joe Douglas. And I think there are some questions to be asked about Joe Douglas with the construction of this offensive line, with the approach to QB2, with the way they approach this draft. There's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of question marks to the way that this team is currently being constructed all right so you touched on two things within that answer that are two more topics i wanted to cover um joe douglas has taken heat with the o-line i've defended him and said it's it's been a disaster because you know the, the injuries have mounted up and i've i've said from the beginning of the year if beckton can stay healthy avt can stay healthy and tipman can get on the field that's going to give you three cornerstone offensive right. linemen that was the lineup last week started out shaky beckton gave up five pressures by my count at least two on the first drive. So he started out, gave two or three early on, but Zach had time as the game went on. He had time Does in front of fair to give the Makai two. That's, I don't What's you know. What's that? They, they credited him with one sack allowed. It's a little unfair with the way Zach was bopping around in the pocket. Yeah, and, that, like, that, and that's the other part yeah. of it is how much of it is is, is the way right. Zach's playing. But basically, I've, been, I've stuck with my line all along, which has been if these guys can get healthy and on the field, the narrative about Joe Douglas failing the O-line will change. Again, Carter Warren, I really like that a pit, better pass blocker than run blocker. But if he finds his way onto the field and maybe AVT goes, you know, wh- whatever they do, because, mm-hmm. you know, they may want AVT back at guard and then that can get you 
you know, if McGovern, it's as, especially if this season, when it's very obviously over, you know, they're not going to, the team's not going to treat it as if it is. But once this team gets to one and five or two and six, maybe then you say, okay, we're going to put Warren at right tackle and AVT is going back at his spot at guard and, and uh, Tipman is going to be at center. I think you're going to have minimum three, possibly four Joe Douglas draft picks starting on a pretty good old line by the end of the season. Sure. And while the old line's been fixed, we still have all the other questions about the other draft picks, the way the linebacking group's been put together, the way the quarterback two stuff was handled. So it is a ever evolving um, door of criticism that can go towards Joe Douglas this way. But you're right. The offensive line, I think, has played better. Um, listen, I, I know there are some people out there that that think that the offensive line has been you know, downright atrocious. Do you know who led the NFL in time to throw in week three of the NFL season? Zach Wilson at 3.22. Mm-hmm. For the season, for the year, Zach Wilson leads all NFL quarterbacks in time to throw. So he's got time back there. Um, AVT is drawing the hardest assignments every single week. I don't know if anybody saw that chart, but they're, you know, and I love breaking down charts, comparing players at their positions to, to, to the other players at that group to be able to see where they stack up. AVT is drawing some of the most hardest assignments every week as an offensive lineman and has some of the best grades among those groups. So he's handling a lot of stuff that's been thrown at him. Makai, Be- Makai Becton looks like the guy that the Jets drafted, what was it, 10th overall a couple years ago. The question was, could he stay healthy? He looks healthy. The way that they're handling him, I was critical of it at the time. But they have they have handled that perfectly, and he feels ready to go every week and looks good. Joe Tippman being on the field, being able to play. We said it when they drafted him. This is a guy that should be in your starting. He's one of your best starting five. He should be in there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's better. The problem is they can't get anything going in the run game, though. They can protect the quarterback, and they can well, get the quarterback time to throw. They the can't get anything so going. Stacked. I know. You know. I posted a couple clips from all 22. Seven blockers, eight defenders. Six blockers, seven defenders. And there's just always a free runner. You you, you break these plays down. You just watch them in slow-mo, and it's hat on a hat. Everybody's blocking somebody. But guess what? Maybe one guy's getting double teamed, and you're already outnumbered by what? Now you have two free runners coming at the ball carrier. And, and because all we do is dink and dunk, Nobody's respecting the quarterback, and because the quarterback is poor, no one's respecting right. him. So teams are just stacking the box, and even though so this is the and this is the problem with looking at the box. Who are, oh look, two yards of carry. This O line can't block. No, this O line can't block multiple guys at once. Like they can, they're blocking five, six, seven, and the defense is just bringing one or two more than they have to. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know it, it's not quite that simple. But you mentioned the um, the linebacker play and uh, drums saying hit the like button. Much appreciate that drums. Um, what let's see one thing uh well two guys i wanted to talk about um uh quincy williams i mean this guy is and listen i know i i don't think there's a jets whether we're talking you know beat writer podcaster analyst everyone was on the same you said it i said Mm -hmm. it really good player does some good things not consistent enough Mm -hmm. the consistency's been there you know we're we're three games in but Mm -hmm. he has been phenomenal you know, the thing that jumped out at me the first couple weeks, and I thought maybe it's fluky because he's normally not this good. But then we saw it again this in coverage. I'm like, he's there every time, even when he's not targeted. You, If you see him in coverage, he's with his man. He's right there. So I pop on a PFF. I'm like, what? I'm like, am I am I going crazy? Or, you know, let's see where they have him graded. Number two in the NFL. Um, number one in the NFL for players with more than 30 snaps. Um, number two. Sorry. Yeah. If you if you include thirty snaps or less, number one in the NFL, of course, very obviously is Blake Cashman. Um, so Blake Cashman, number one in the NFL, Quincy number two. But in terms of overall grade, in terms of you know just overall play, not just coverage grade, 
Quincy Williams number three in the NFL among linebackers. Did you see this this tweet, Chris? Did you see the number who number two is? I mean, I didn't. I can take a guess, though, because it's you and I doing the show, and this is probably an opportunity for us to talk about Ivan Pace Jr. is going to be my guess here Yes, this. indeed. Yeah, okay. Number two, second-rated been... linebacker in the NFL. Number folks, two. I, folks, undrafted. I, I, I cannot understand. I, I, I will never I, – I know why. I know why. I just would – I just can't understand. If I was a decision maker, this guy would have been on my board. I, this guy went undrafted just because he was small, just because he barely clocked in at 5'10". This dude was the most physical player on the field down in Mobile against bigger, tougher, stronger guys that he saw when he was playing in the AAC for Cincinnati. My dude's going up against some of the best of the best seniors from Power 5 programs, SEC players down there. He is give, he is laying the boom, okay? This dude is at speed. He brings the physicality, and he has been exceptional. One of the steals from the UDFA department for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. He has been amazing. And I cannot believe he went undrafted. I, I was he was one of my guys coming out of Mobile. I wanted the Jets to get him in, in on, on one of their day three picks. And Minnesota's got a good player. He has been exceptional for them. I think it was it was probably only the first or second show we had you on, and it was after Mobile. And I asked if you had anyone that nobody was talking about. And you, I think I cut you off mid-sentence. You started describing him. And I was yes. like, Ivan Pace. And you were yeah. like, yes, Ivan yeah, Pace. And he just, the, the guy, I thought he was able to stack and shed better than anyone in the class. And I think sometimes being as small as he was, I think he sometimes used that to his advantage. You would see him sneak under guys yeah. and get into the backfield. Great balance. Able to, you know, get underneath blockers, get into the backfield. Ton of TFLs, ton of sacks. All he did was make plays. And that guy goes undrafted. It was well, unbelievable. It, it, the speed that he brings at that at that size, only being 5'10", allows him to stick with linebackers in coverage, right? That's the big thing. But you talk about his stack and shed ability. That was the concern, right? As a player of that size, could he do that consistently enough uh, to, to be able to be an impact player? And he has been, done wonders for a Minnesota team that, unfortunately, is not doing very well uh, right now to start the year, which is why everybody wants the Jets to go out and uh, trade for Kirk Cousins. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love Ivan Pace to be on the New York Jets, but he's not. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a that's a bitter pill to swallow right yeah. there. No, it's um, not, though. You know, Glenn, it's not because we were right. We were right. And so when you're right, when you call your shot about a player, and I called my shot in the summer on two players, a, a bunch of – it was a long list, but I called my shot on two players. Ivan Pace in the, in the uh, pre-draft process was a big one for me. And in the summertime, when everybody was done with drafting and we were getting ready for the season, I told everybody that would listen, Puka Nakua is the second best wide receiver on the Los Angeles Rams. I said it. There is audio proof in podcast form in the summertime, in like July. I'm talking about Puka Nakua being the second best receiver on the Los Angeles Rams. So when you're right, when you take a swing like that and you talk about a player that's not going to get drafted in the first two rounds and you say, that's my guy, and it, that person pans out, you get very excited. So they're yeah, wins. We, they're wins. Dayon Henley. I mean, we've got we've got names. We've he's got to get on the field, man. I know. I know. He, he was active last week, but the, I don't think he played. We're getting. Uh, we're getting there. Don't worry. Yeah. By the season's end, we'll we'll be winners on that as well. Yeah, and we have to uh, we have have to ramp up the draft talk given the Jets situation because um, we got a first round pick this year. They're going to have a first, and it might be much higher than anyone anticipated. So yeah. that's uh, makes the draft that much more prominent. Um, let's see what else we got here. This is something you touched on brief. Well, we touched on briefly in talking about the draft, but talking about the group as a whole. Where, what's the edge rushers? I mean. This has been such a a colossal, and I understand this team isn't playing with the leads we thought they would play with 
you know, we thought Aaron Rodgers is going to have them out in front by two touchdowns and teams are going to have to throw and they're going to be able to pin their ears back. I get all that. But, uh, and Simply Awesome says it here. Why aren't they forcing any turnovers? Um, that's the, you know, I'm torn on this because, you know, we aren't seeing the splash plays. And I mean this in terms of the turnover thing, mm-hmm. but they're st- you're still giving up 13 points. You know what I mean? It's like, is there that big of a difference between getting a deep interception on third and 11 or forcing a punt? You know, you're still getting your offense the ball back. Yes, we would like to see more. But I think a lot of it, too, though, is that teams are attacking the Jets underneath. So we're seeing a lot of high percentage quick throws. So we're not we're not seeing those, you know, uh, the, the deep balls. And that that's how they got Josh Allen three times was uh, was with trying to go deep down the field. Oh, and drum said it here. Exactly. Teams are playing it safe and they're they are it, they're dinking and dunking and well and the turnover it, opportunities aren't there. And the Jets invite you to do that. The Robert Sala methodology on defense is bend but don't break. You mm-hmm. can have everything in front of you. You're not going to beat us over the top unless you have uh, the perfect play that we just covered three. We lose sight of our guy and we give a big, big touchdown to New England for for some reason. So yeah. Sometimes those things happen. And Glenn, I I I don't want to do this. I don't want to harp on them. But DJ Reed goes to the podium and talks about being the 85, 85 Bears defense. Okay, you go to the podium yeah. and you, and you say that I have the numbers. The 85 Bears defense had 34 interceptions. The 85 Bears defense had 64 sacks as a team. The 85 Bears defense forced nine, I'm sorry, forced 24 fumbles. It looks like what this is. 20, yeah, they forced 24 fumbles in that season. Yeah. Where, where's where's that production? Where's the turnover production? Where's yeah. the fumbles? Where's the where's the the sacks? Where's all of it? I mean, again, I I it is what it is, but the pick six that Sauce had against Dallas, he intercepts that. I wonder if we're having a totally different conversation right now about this football game. Yeah, that was a huge play. But speaking, you know, sticking with the edge rushers, is this a spot where you could see? Because again, once this team, if they get to that point, the the one and five, whatever, um, do they become sellers? And do you see a team caught like right now? You know, before the season, I would have thought, oh, maybe move a guy like Carl Lawson. I don't know if he's done enough to warrant any trade interest. He hasn't. But someone might call about Huff. Somebody might say, hey, what do you give us for this kid? How about and we play Bryce judge, Huff more than we it. trade Bryce Huff? How about that as a philosophy? How about Bryce Huff gets more snaps? I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying in general. Like, let's get this guy on the field more, please. And and listen, I get lim- very limited sample size. but And it's something I'm going to try to take another look at. But it's again, it's only a handful. But I feel like, and it, I could be wrong, but I feel like from what I've seen, he's been much better against the run this year than previous years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that apparently the Jets have zero faith in him being able to stop the run, which is why 95% of his snaps come against the pass. Um, but I feel like he's been better against the run. But I'm looking at this, this these edge rushers and thinking someone's going to come knocking once the Jets are out of it. And the Jets don't have a ton of picks. I get they'll have some comp picks. Um, you know, they'll have some day three picks. But if someone says, comes to Joe Douglas and says, we'll give you a three for this guy, you know, a contending team that feels like they could use him more than the Jets do, um, do the Jets do that? And and by, you know, by doing that, get McDonald on the field more. I, I mean, I can't even believe we're having the conversation about the Jets being sellers at the deadline and, and moving players. It's just absurd to me that that's where we're at in 2023. I, I, I you know, we'll see. Let's see where they're at. I, you know, there are going to be people that think if they beat Denver next week and they can get to the buy at two and four, I mean, I, I said it at the time that the second half of the schedule lightens up in a big way where they should be able, They I think they have like Washington in the second half of the year. They've got Houston. They've got Atlanta. They've got the Giants after the bye. Like there are some teams that they could, if they get better quarterback play from Zach or if Trevor Simeon steps in and is the starting quarterback, 
they could start to rattle off some wins and maybe maybe convince themselves that they're in it. I don't see that happening. I don't think they're going to get good enough quarterback play um, at all. Um, but man, that would be what a tough place to be. What a tough place to be. And then you know, I, I got to. I'm the the big question for me. If you want the one burning question that I'm trying to figure out right now, that I'm trying to piece together, it's why Robert Sala is going to the length that he is going to praise Zach Wilson. That is the that is the million dollar question that I can't figure out right now. And then the addendum to that question is, will Aaron Rodgers return to this team? Even if it's just on the sidelines wearing a headset, what could that do? Those are, those are the two things, more so than the quarterback play, more so than actually winning or losing. Those are the two things that I'm trying to figure out. Because that first thing, the, 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 the lengths that Salah is going to, just doesn't make sense to me when you bench the kid twice last year. You sat him down twice last year. So you either are getting a mandate from above that you got to protect this kid and this kid's going to play the rest of the way, or you you truly do feel like he is your best chance to win, and I don't know which one's worse. I don't know which, well, which one's worse for the long-term future of the Jets. It's worth remembering, and I had this conversation earlier today, um, Robert Sala did say last year that benching Zach Wilson was the farthest thing from his mind about 16 hours before he said we're benching Zach Wilson. Right, but he never he never went to the. Uh, I, I get it. I get the what you're the press saying. conferences this week were another level of of protection and praise that didn't need to be there. You can get up in front of the podium. You can praise. And, you can praise a guy without right. gushing. You can get up in front of the podium and say, "We didn't turn the ball over on offense." Yes, we need to be better. Yes, we need to be able to to get in the end zone and finish drives. Yes, we need to be able to give our defense a break. We all need to be better around the quarterback. We can call it. We can create more turnovers. The quarterback play needs to be better. But we as a team need to be better. You can do that. That's easy. I, I just did it. I just did it here with you and and everybody's l- listening in the chat. And I said the quarterback needed to be better. I gave him praise for not turning the ball over. I yep. said that other parts of the team need to be better. But I didn't go out there and say, well, he played a clean game and we think he's getting better. His accuracy is getting better. His No, statistically, that's not true, Robert. And so yeah. the part that I don't understand is why he is going to the levels that he is going to. Because he can do it and he did it last year. Again, we, we this is the sequel. The first version of this film was last season. And th- this is not the way Robert Sala treated this. He defended his quarterback and he heaped the praise where he needed to. But it wasn't to the level that it is now. And I don't, I cannot figure out why. Yep, a couple questions in the chat. Drums is asking how is uh, Jermaine Johnson looked in the All-22. Um, not as explosive as, a, as an edge rusher as I expected, but again, I think some it, it does get diminished when teams are able to get the ball out so quickly. He has been, you know, he's done a great job overall. He's, he's having a, a, you know, a solid year. You know, we're only three games in. I don't think Johnson's a problem, but I, I thought he'd be a little bit more disruptive off the edge. But again, that's why the question. I, I thought everybody would. Um, Carl Lawson, very limited, has been invisible. Um, and Greg asks, where are the sacks? It, it, listen, it's a good question. You know, that it's that I get why there aren't a ton, because as I said, the quick drops, the quick throws, the short people attacking the short middle of the field because they don't have to do, you know, they're just doing what they have to do to move the football. Um, but still enough talent on this line, on this defense as a whole, you should be able to get to the quarterback far more than the Jets are. So it's uh, it's understanding. It's understandable why the numbers aren't through the roof, but it's not understandable why they're why they're through the floor. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how they do on Sunday. Again, I think the biggest takeaway from this week, and maybe this can be our final thought here, but this game on Sunday doesn't – I don't expect them to win. I expect them to lose. I think the question you need to ask yourself is how well Zach plays and what it looks like on Monday and Tuesday if they make a quarterback change. That's really what we're all kind of paying attention to. 
because yeah, if Zach my, plays my, well my, enough and they somehow maybe it's a shootout with Kansas City and it's 28-24 late and Zach has played well enough to keep them in the game, and that probably buys some time. If we're looking at a 31-7, 28-7 game, which is kind of what I think it's going to look like, then I think Monday and Tuesday is going to be dominated by making a quarterback change. So honestly, it's Monday and Tuesday for me of next week that I'm paying attention to more than I am the result and what happens on Sunday, because I think Sunday's a lost cause. And we're going to hear about 47 Taylor Swift puns and cuts to the box that she's sitting in. And so we've got got plenty going on there. So the game's not really going to matter anyway. So just figure it out. I can't believe grownups are buying tickets. Glenn? I didn't even want to cover this thing or talk, but they're like, people are buying tickets just to be in the same building as another adult. Like they're not going to an event where she's featured. Yeah, they're like, uh, oh, she's gonna be in the building. Sure, I want to go spend eight hundred dollars to go be in the same building at the same time. Now listen, I'll admit something here on this show. I am a Taylor Swift fan. Love her music. Been to her concert. Okay, I I, I consider myself a member of the Taylor Swift fan community, not to the extreme that some hey, of the people listen, are going. Hey, listen, you and Aaron Rodgers both. Listen, There's, I, I, and, I'm but sure I, I've this is absurd. Songs, but this is a this is a combination of things. A a, a two worlds colliding that I'm just not into. And again. It was it was cool. It was funny. It, her her freaking out when he scored the touchdown was cool. It was great. I'm over it now. I'm over yeah. all the puns. I'm over all the will she be there? Won't she be? I'm over it. It's great. Let them live their life. If they're together, absolutely have a blast. I wish you both the best. I just want to watch my team play football. That's what I want to do. The good thing is, since I don't know any of her songs, I didn't realize there were puns happening. Dude, there's they're puns probably all happening over in front of me, puns. and I don't know. Okay, they're good. all over. I'm glad. I'm so happy to be out on that yeah. without even knowing I'm out on that. So that'll do it for this one. We got to wrap it up. We'll be back next week uh, to hopefully listen. My, my number one thing, along with how Zach plays in terms of production wise, I, I want to see the, the way they attack. Do mm-hmm. they move the pocket? Is he throwing yep. on the run? All of the things that I've been asking myself for about 15 consecutive Zach Wilson starts. Will they let him throw? Will they let him run? Will he throw the ball down the field? Maybe Sunday's the day, but if history is any predictor, it Probably won't not. be. It'll be dink and dunk. 30, you know, 35, 10, if we're lucky. Um, but look, I hope they let the kid rip. And even if they lose, give me 32, 28 and a, an enjoyable football game. That'll do it for this one. Chris, thanks for joining us. And we will be back Thursday. Check us out throughout the out the week. Uh, like, subscribe, click the, uh, the, the like, subscribe on YouTube. You'll get the, your notifications every time we put something out. Try to do as much as we can during the week. Have a good one, Jets fans.